ಪಾರ್ಥಯ ಪ್ರತಿಬೋಧಿ ಭಗವತ ನಾರಾಯಣ ಸ್ವಯಂ ವ್ಯಾಸೇನ ಗ್ರಥಿತುರಾಣಮುನಿ ಮಧ್ಯೆ ಮಹಾಭಾರತ ಅದ್ವೈತಮೃತವರ್ಷಿಣಿ ಭಗವತಿ ಅಷ್ಟಾಧ್ಯಾಮನುಸಂದಿ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತೆಷಿಣಿ ಯಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮವರುಣೇಂದ್ರರುದ್ರಮರು ಸ್ತುನ್ವಂತಿ ದಿವ್ಯೈಸ್ತವೈ ವೇದೈಸ್ಸಾಂಗಪದಕ್ರಮೋಪನಿಷದೈ ಗಾಯಂತಿಸ್ಥಿತೇನ ಮನಸ ಪಶ್ಯಂತಿ ಯೋಗಿನ ಯಾಂತನ್ನ ವಿರುಸುರಸುರಗಣ ದೇವಾಯ ತಸ್ಮೈ ನಮಃ ಯೋಗಸ್ಥ ಕುರುಕರ್ಮಾಣಿ ಸಂಗಮ ತ್ಯಕ್ತಂಜಯ ಸಿದ್ಧಿಸಿದ್ಧ್ಯೋ ಸಮೂಭೂತ ಸಮತ್ವ ಯೋಗ ಉಚ್ಚದೆ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಟೆಲ್ಸ್ ಹೇ ಧನಂಜಯ ಹೇ ಅರ್ಜುನ ಯೋಗಸ್ಥ ಸನ್ ಕರ್ಮಾಣಿ ಕುರು ಮೇ ಯು ಪರ್ಫಾರ್ಮ್ ದ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ ಆಸ್ ಅಬೈಡಿಂಗ್ ಇನ್ ಯೋಗ ಮೀನಿಂಗ್ ವೈಲ್ ಪರ್ಫಾರ್ಮಿಂಗ್ ದ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ ಯುವರ್ ಮೈಂಡ್ ಶುಡ್ ಅಬೈಡ್ ಇನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಆಟಿಟ್ಯೂಡ್ ಆರ್ ಔಟ್ಲುಕ್ ಆಫ್ ಯೋಗ ವಾಟ್ ಈಸ್ ಯೋಗ ಈಶ್ವರಾರ್ಥಂ Shankaracharya explains the meaning of the word yoga here, Ishwarasam. So while, perform, while you perform any action, may that action be performed as an offering to the Lord. So let your actions be the means for pleasing the Lord. May your actions be the meanings of, means of worshipping the Lord. May you perform action for that sake. It's not easy to do this, but this is what Lord Krishna advises us. And understand who is advised here. the one who is advised is a mumukshu meaning one who is desirous of moksha <coughs> one who is desirous of liberation one who is desirous of a spiritual unfoldment or an inner unfoldment such a person is advised here very often these verses create lot of difficulties in the minds of people because these are not practical things what is being said here is not practical and i think all the teachers have they have always suffered from this kind of a criticism that what they are talking is not practical as i said recently i was reading about jesus christ he says uh, if someone hits you on one cheek then hold them I and you know present the other one I mean, it's impossible how can you do that it um, says uh, love your enemies how can you love your enemies They're all impractical things do good to people who hate you you know pray for those who uh, who curse you wish well and pray for those who wish ill of you <coughs> so these are all the these are the things that just go against the norms of the life and definitely there are a lot of problems of interpretation of what is meant by all these things love thy neighbor love thy enemy and love without any reservation you know love without reservation give without reservation doesn't matter who is the recipient and whether the recipient deserves or not just give i mean you can't do this this is not practical 
you will always give if the person deserves and generally you will give if there is a possibility of some return after all when we give it's an investment of some kind or the other so even in charity also some investment is always involved that we expect some kind of a return some benefit says so just give so the advice here instruction here is something like this you have merely your duty is to perform action you do not have any right as far as the results are concerned meaning may you perform your actions without expectation of any reward I mean that's not possible and nobody expects that it is going to be possible right away but this is in order to be happy this is what is suggested in fact in order to be really happy in order to discover what we call a lasting happiness and the next verse will address that <coughs> but this verse says yogasthaha karmani kuru may you perform the actions mainly for pleasing the Lord offering the Lord whatever you consider as Lord you know but generally Lord means the one who is creator sustainer as we said yesterday the Bhagavad Gita gives us the vision of the Lord yatav pravartir bhutanam yena sarvamidam tadam svakarmana atama bhyarcha siddhim vindati manavaha he is the Lord from who is the origin of the whole universe from whom the whole universe has emerged on account of whom the whole universe is functioning it's dyna- it derives its life and dynamism from whom and the one who pervades the entire universe offer your actions to him in the, in the spirit of worship siddhim vindati manavaha one time siddhi or fulfillment this is this is the Bhagavad Gita's or Lord Krishna's vision of life which he is unfolding here before us and his life showed that if you look at the life of Jesus Christ or look at the life of, of Lord Krishna, you'll find this teaching, in fact, completely expressed in their life. It's not that they are saying it for other people's benefit. This is all we decide as, a, as an expression of something that one has discovered as truth. <coughs> and that's the reason why we consider these texts as pramanam or valid means of knowledge. We call them scriptures or valid means of knowledge because these are the ex- words which, are, which come from those who are living what is, uh, what, is Im- what is intended here to be conveyed through the words. Of course, Lord Krishna is looked upon as Lord. He is not looked upon as human being anyway. He is looked upon as incarnation of God and therefore is perfect in every respect. This is what is meant by incarnation. And therefore, by the very strength, that's why the Parthaya Pratibhavitam Bhagavata Narayane Naswayam The Bhagavad Gita has a great distinction of being that teaching which is imparted by none other than Lord Narayana himself. Narayane Naswayam Swayam means by Narayana himself. Lord Narayana in the form of Krishna. He himself has given out this teaching. And that's the kind, that's the distinction this particular text has. That's the reason why we call it pramanam, a valid means of knowledge. Meaning that we take these words literally. Literally in the sense that we take them with trust and confidence that they are true. We can, we can rely upon them. And that we can, uh, uh, we can uh, construct our life around this teaching. That much confidence. That is called pramanam. As we said, pramana, the means of knowledge, is that to which we surrender or submit. When we consider eyes as pramana, a means of knowledge to generate the knowledge of color or form, 
then we submit to the data that the eyes generate for us, we don't question it. When ears are the means of knowledge to give us the knowledge of sound, then whatever knowledge the ears produce, we submit to that meaning, we accept it without reservation. <coughs> and similarly when it comes to all those topics which are beyond the sense perception, which are not within the range of sense perception, for all those things the scriptures are considered we pramana, meaning that we accept them without reservation. Otherwise, these instructions are not practical. Says Sangam Tektvadhananjaya. Sangam. Sangam means attachment. Giving up the attachment. <coughs> now, what is meant by giving up the attachment? Lord Krishna says, perform the actions as an offering to the Lord. Giving up the attachment. Attachment is twofold. One is attachment to the result. Another is attachment to the action itself. Two kinds of attachment are there. It is not that everyone is necessarily attached to the result. Often we don't care for the result. We perform actions because we like to perform actions. But there also an attachment for the action may be expressed on our part that I may prefer a given action as, as compared to some other action. I may have preferences, likes and dislikes with reference to action. And therefore, if a given situation brings before me an action which I don't particularly like, I may not wish to do that. So that is attachment towards action. When we have likes and dislikes towards action, we would say it is attachment towards action. If you have likes and dislikes towards the result, we say that it is attachment towards the result. So Lord Krishna in effect says here that may you perform the action, giving up the likes and dislikes or reactions towards the result as well as towards the action. As we will say in the 18th chapter, Nadveshtya kushalam karma kushale nanu shajyade. Who is this wise man? Nadveshti akushalam karma. When he is confronted with akushalam karma, something which he doesn't necessarily like or something that is not necessarily in keeping with his aptitude or disposition, nadveshti. There is no resentment. Kushale nanu shajyade. Just because he likes something doesn't mean that he gets stuck to that and doesn't want to give it up. So don't get stuck anywhere. Don't invest your emotions anywhere. That's the whole idea is ultimately. Don't, uh, don't extend yourself to such an extent that you find completely dependent upon a given thing. <coughs> Always retain your freedom. And then love. When we lose the freedom, then it is called attachment. And when we retain the freedom, then it is called love. But then the kind of relationship that we have with the things is of the nature of attachment. That we become dependent. And then we, uh, we come under the spell or the sway. So that is what is meant by Sangha. Don't get stuck anywhere. Remain always free. That doesn't mean unemotional or insensitive. But that only means that you always uh, don't become dependent. Freedom always means be ready to give without necessarily an expectation to return in the, the reward. The, the karma or action is a way of giving. What is an action after all? Action is nothing but my expression of my response to a given situation and that is my offering. Action is my offering in a given situation. It says make an offering alright but without expectation of a reward. Let your offering not be contaminated by the reward that you expect. Because 
then it becomes a conditional offering. It then becomes a contract. And uh, Lord Krishna is, will talk about his different kinds of devotees in the seventh chapter. Artho Jignasu Arsarsi Jnani Says, Hey Arjuna, there are four kinds of devotees I have. They are all my devotees. All of them are people with virtue, meritorious people. Otherwise they cannot be my devotee. But first kind of devotees are those who approach me or come to me only when they are in dire need or difficulty. They find themselves in such a situation where there is no hope at all. Then alone they reach me, approach me. In this Mahabharata, this is illustrated by the illustration of example of Draupadi. Draupadi is the wife of these five Pandavas. And she was brought to the court. Because apparently her husband Yudhishthira lost her in this bet, <coughs> in this game of dice. Right, wrong or indifferent anyway. And therefore now she became the property of Kauravas. And therefore it, it was, the condition was that they had to give up everything they had, including the clothes that they were wearing. And so all the Pandavas removed their clothes and gave them up because that was all part of this uh, agreement. And now how about Draupadi? And those demons or devils, you know, insisted that her clothes also should be given up because that's the condition. And in the, in the court, in open, and of course she refused to do that and she had no choice because all these Rakshasas were there and they started pulling her sari. At that time she, all these fellows were useless, all those fellows who were standing there, none of them could help her. Either they found themselves bound by some obligation or bound by some duty or bound by some condition but all of them expressed their inability to help her. And you have to listen to her words, you know, at that time uh, what, what a person can speak, you know. But anyway, ultimately when she could not find uh, any refuge anywhere then she remembered Lord. Some very famous verses are there that Draupadi utters at that time. And she uh, appealed to Lord Krishna that here I am totally suffering and totally trapped in the midst of these people and I find nobody, no refuge other than you. And then immediately there is a response. A miracle happens. And this fellow keeps on pulling her sari. And new saris keep on coming. Keeps on pulling and new saris keep on coming. So Lord came in the form of vastra or cloth. This called so Lord has taken different kinds of incarnations, any number of incarnations. This is a unique incarnation in the form of cloth. That's called Vastravatara. Vastra means a garment. In the form of garment of Draupadi, Lord appeared there. And that fellow kept on pulling her garment, a new garment kept on coming. Ultimately, pulling and pulling, that fellow got exhausted and he collapsed. So this is an example often cited in the Bhakti literature in India as to how the Lord comes to the refuge of the devotee. says, there are devotees who appeal to, appeal to me only when they are in tremendous need. She went to everyone before that. And when she found that there was no help possible, then she went to the Lord. This is Artaha. The bhaktas or the devotees who come to me or appeal to me when they are in dire need or difficulty. Second are my devotees who approach me because they want something. There go Artharthi. Those people who approach the Lord because they want some favor. 
in return for the action that they are performing. And this is also a very common way of worship in India and perhaps elsewhere also. That this businessman have as their partner the Lord, you know. They said that he will have one person partnership in this business. And so one person of the prophet are sent to a temple or to the deity. That's the reason how certain deities are so rich in India. There is one very famous temple in, in South India and that temple is Tirupati. That's the temple of Lord Krishna, Lord, Lord Narayana. And that deity is the richest one because he must be partner in so many businesses. Because people want to offer 1% to the Lord so that they can get 99%. I mean, it's a simple calculation, you know. <laughs> so this is a simple contract. This is called Arsarse. That I give something, what do you think people give charity for? You think that they give it free? I think if there is always some kind of an expectation or reward of one kind or the other. But anyway, Arsarse. So this is the human nature. That either a human being will appeal to the Lord only when in great difficulty, having no way out, or will approach the Lord in favor of some kind of a, a reward, in return for some kind of a favor or a reward which is acceptable to God. He says, fine, they are also my devotees, they are all great people. But I think that the most exalted of them is the one who does things for the sake of doing without expectation of a reward. So we have to grow to that. It's not going to work. And you will find that the expectation of a reward is so much built into the mind that in a very subtle way the mind always manipulates. In whatever you do, the mind in a very subtle way always manipulates. So that the result is in its favor. So that it chooses an action that it likes to do and avoids the action that it doesn't like. Mind always does that. Or when there is a choice in performance of an action one way or the other, it will always choose that way which is more personally rewarding than otherwise. And thus what happens is this expectation of a reward always is at the cost of the quality of action. It always compromises the quality of action. It says, our attention is where? In the result, in the reward, and not in the action. Now see where the mind is engaged, where is the focus of the mind? Lord Krishna just wants to change the focus in our life. Mind is extrovert, always looking out, seeking fulfillment from the world out there. Lord Krishna wants that the mind should be focused to the self, which is where the real happiness and fulfillment is. Now, this extrovertedness or what we call the extrovert focus is expressed practically in what terms? In the terms of my seeking reward. So when I'm seeking reward for the action that I perform, where is the focus of my mind? Where is the focus of attention? On the reward, on the karma phala, on the result of the action, which is in future, at a future time and at a future place. So even when I am performing action in the present, what is my mind thinking of? Or where is the focus of my mind? At a future time and future place. I am not in the present. That means I am not living the life in present. I am always dwelling and imagining the future. That's where it was said, Mahaphaleshu Kadachana. Arjuna, you do not have any control over the result. You don't even know what the result is going to be and when it is going to be, how it is going to be, because you don't control the result. And still, when the result is that for which we perform an action, the mind's attention is always focused upon the result which is in future and therefore mind is not in present. 
It is not with the self, it is away from the self. So, the whole purpose of teaching this Karma Yoga is to change our focus from non-self to the self so that we ultimately discover that happiness or what, you know, the, the worth that the self has. Whenever I am looking out, there is a self-denial or a self-disowning. As I said, when we are seeking happiness out of the objects of the world, there is a denial of the self because I have concluded that the happiness is not with me and therefore I'm, I am seeking it from outside. And every time I beg of the happiness from the objects of the world, I am only confirming it and make that, making that conclusion more and more firm. So when will it ever happen that I discover the happiness that I am? Only when the attention is focused on the self. And how would that be? The method is shown here. Sangam Tyaktva Dhananjaya Without an attachment towards the result and even without the attachment towards the action, may you perform action that comes to your way. Because more often than not we do not have even choice in action. Action comes to us. We find ourselves placed in a given situation. Sometimes we have a choice. Often we don't have a choice. As Swamiji would say, lot of things are already determined for us. You are born in a given family. You have no choice. You have this set of parents, that's all. And when a child is born, so many people declare, proclaim, a son is born. Somebody says, a grandson is born. Somebody says, a nephew is born. Somebody says, you know, a brother is born. You, you, before you realize you already are a brother and a nephew and a grandson and, and a son and all kinds of things and you didn't, uh, you had no choice at all. So choicelessly you find yourself in a given situation, in a given family, in a given setup. So there are very few things that we can decide. Well, fortunately enough, in a country like United States, people still have a lot of choice in terms of choosing their work. And there is a lot of mobility that they can even choose their environment. A person can go to Florida or to Texas or to California. If they don't like this cold atmosphere, okay, they can go to Worms. If someone doesn't like heat, he may go to, you know, things like that. Perhaps some mobility we have. But even then, some limited choice we have, but even then, very little choice. Suppose there is husband and wife and they are married and they have a son. They have no choice. That fellow comes to their home, you know, he's a son. However he is, or a daughter. And what kind of children they will be, there is no way for us to determine. And we are stuck with them. It may be a blessing also, it may be anything. And so the point is that we find ourselves in different situations. And we generally do not have a choice. And moment you have a choice, the mind is going to react. If you have a choice, you will perhaps never, never accept the situation that exists. For example, many people from India come to this country with a, with a general uh, resolve that we shall return to India in X number of years, in five years. Ultimately, I want to go back and settle. That's the kind of feeling with which they come. Except that after coming here and living for five years or whatever it is, they get used to this life and the comforts and everything else. And then it becomes so difficult to go back to India. Then people call them, say, why don't you return here now? You've been there long enough. And these people also say, yeah, I think we should go back. Then he says, well, I'll come back. I'll try for one year. If everything works out for me, 
fine, otherwise I'll come back. They will invariably come back because it will never work out. Why will it not work out? Because there is a choice. If I don't like here, then I'll go back to the United States. And then every little difficulty will assume tremendous proportion. Because every step there is a difficulty. You, you, uh, you know, you land at the airport and you pass through customs. You find that you are not treated properly. These fellows don't have proper manners. You know, that from there it starts. And you have to stand in line for, for, uh, for one and a half hours. And then you don't get a taxi cab, you know. And somebody takes you for a ride. And then you are confronted with this kind of difficulty. Formerly you never bothered about them. But now you find, oh, this is, this, this is miserable. This, I don't care. I don't, and every moment you don't like. You don't even last for one year, you know. Perhaps in six months a fellow comes back. It's impossible. India is an impossible place. Because he has a choice. You know what one fellow did? They, the residents of the foreign country are given what they call a green card. Means a permanent resident visa. Like our Narayana has, you know. That means that allows you to remain here forever, as long as you want. And as long as that green card is there, you can always come back here. One fellow decided to return to India and settle there. As soon as he landed at Bombay airport, he took out his green card and tore it off. Thereby, I mean, thereby uh, destroying or thereby giving up the option of returning. He had no choice now. He could not come back. Then he had to settle there and he could do that. The idea is that if there is a choice, mind will always take the easy way out. And mind always wants to exercise the choice. And so, Lord Krishna says, Sangam Tektva Dhananjaya. He says, may you give up that. The mind has a tendency always to choose the path of least resistance. And that easily we can give up our duty. <clears throat> what is proper for us to do in a given situation is one thing. And what we like to do is a different thing. It's quite possible that what I should do is what I like to do. That is beautiful. But very often, what I have to do may not necessarily be what I like to do. Then what should I do? The mind that exercises choice will wish to do what it likes to do and not what it has to do. In which case, we are not able to meet our with our commitments. <clears throat> the only commitment is my free will and my fancy and my convenience and nothing else. But that is not what duty is. Duty is that I have commitment to a given role. And whatever that role calls for, that is what I do. So that is what is also meant by Sangam Tektva, meaning giving up attachment even to a particular action. Whatever action a situation brings to you, which you consider is a duty and proper thing to do in a given situation, you do that without any grudge, without any resentment, without any aversion or attachment. <coughs> and of course, Whatever result comes, they also accept without any resentment or grudge or any reaction. Sangam Tektva, Hey Arjuna, you accept the result of an action also without a reaction. Then that action will not bind you. The result binds you if you react to it. If I react to a given situation, I would say that I am under the spell of the situation. But if I can retain the the freedom of my mind, I can retain the poise of my mind in any given situation, then I know that I am not under the spell of the situation, meaning I am not bound by the situation. So what is the nature of bondage? When they talk of the bondage of action, 
What exactly is meant? When an action creates a reaction in me, action produces a given result. If the result is judged as favorable result by me, I will react happily. If the result is judged unfavorable, I will react with unhappiness. And usually, therefore, we always react to different situations. So Lord Krishna explains in the second line, what is meant by giving up the attachment towards the result of an action? Siddhya Siddhya ho samobhutva Karmani kuru Yoga stahasthan karmani kuru Siddhya Siddhya ho samobhutva karmani kuru You perform the action samobhutva remaining equal meaning remaining this, uh, retaining the sameness of the mind samobhutva so may you retain a sameness of the mind towards what? Siddhya Siddhya ho Siddhi and Asiddhyo ho. Siddhi means success. Asiddhi means opposite, meaning the failure. So may you retain a poise of a mind, may you maintain the sameness of the mind towards the results which may be branded either as success or failure. That is called freedom from attachment to the result. Lord Krishna himself explains. And himself gives a definition of what is called yoga. Samatvam yogaha uchyade. This samatvam, this sameness of the mind is called yogaha. That poise of the mind, equanimity of the mind, balance of the mind is called yogaha. So yoga is sameness of the mind. It is that mind which is what we call an objective mind. What is required? to gain this knowledge, to study the scriptures and to understand the purport of the scriptures, we require a given mind. And what mind do we require? A mind that is at poise, mind that enjoys a balance, mind that enjoys an objectivity. Only an objective mind, which doesn't have prejudices, which doesn't have preconceived notions, which does not judge things in that sense, meaning brand things, that kind of mind is what we require. And that is called yoga here. That state of mind which does not react, which is free from reactions, free from branding, free from attachment and aversion. So that is a mind, that state of mind is called yoga. Samatvam is a state of mind. Sameness of the mind is called yoga. So yoga is a state of mind. Yoga is let us say, yeah, a state of mind arising from a certain outlook or arising from a certain understanding. It's not possible for us to maintain the sameness of the mind unless we understand the nature of things. You cannot force a sameness of the mind. You cannot force an objectivity of the mind. It is something that has to happen. And that happens as a result of understanding the facts of life. So what is the fact of life? Fact of life is karmanyevadikaraste mahaphaleshu kadachana. You have the freedom in performing the action. That freedom you have. And therefore, may you exercise that freedom while you perform the action. You have the freedom to perform the action. In whichever way, how to perform action, you are free to decide. When to perform the action, you are free to decide. Whether to perform the action, that also you are free to decide. 
whether to perform an action or not, and if I do perform, how to perform, with what attitude to perform, at what time to perform, all that freedom is generally given to me. And there is also a way of interpreting this statement, karmanyi vadikaraste. You have the freedom in performance of an action. Except that when the freedom is given, may you make sure that you use that freedom in a responsible manner. Because there is always a possibility of abuse of freedom. Therefore, Lord reminds here that you do have the freedom, but may you not abuse that freedom. And therefore, when you, when you exercise the freedom, make sure that your actions are performed in keeping with the basic order, the basic values, which is called dharma. However, you do not have the freedom to determine the result of the action, naturally. Once I perform the action, what will be the result? I cannot control the result. I can perhaps predict, I can judge what the, what the possible result may be in a given situation, but I cannot control it. As Swami would say, I don't call all the shots, and therefore I can act with the best intention. With the best, with the best, with the best efforts, so I can, I can put in the best efforts. I can work with, I can act with the best intention, in an honest and sincere manner, and that's about all I can do. What will be the result? There is no way of determining. As Swami would say, every action is a calculated risk. Even when you cross the street, can there be a guarantee that you will necessarily reach the other end? There is no guarantee. Between this side of the street and the other side, anything can happen. And still we cross. That means there is a calculated risk involved in anything you do. When you even eat food, there is no guarantee that the food that you are eating will necessarily suit you, particularly you can't say that in India. You go to a restaurant and you eat and then all kinds of viruses you might, you know, you might invite. And so there is no way to guarantee what the result will be. Because the result of an action is determined by the laws of action. And the result is, is determined by the, what we call the law of action, the law of karma, which says that an effect is always in keeping with the cause. Action that you perform is the cause. And the result that comes is called an effect. Effect is always in keeping with the cause. However, what will be the nature of the effect cannot be determined unless you know all the causes. So when I perform an action, I am one of the, my input is one of the inputs, but there are many factors that go in determining the result. I don't know all the laws that are involved in determining the result of an action. As we always say, you have the freedom to shoot an arrow towards a certain target, okay? You release the arrow in a given direction, with a given force, at a given time, in a given manner, you have the freedom to do all that. But once the arrow is released, there is no way for you to control the trajectory of the arrow. What will be the path that the arrow will take? You can judge, all right, you can guess, but you cannot control. And who controls that? It is the laws of nature that control. And there can be any number of obstacles also that can come and therefore there can be no guarantee as to what the result will be. That's what is a fact of life. That is said 
that is what is meant by also saying mahaphale sukhasana that you do not have the control over the result you cannot control the result there are so many factors involved unknown to you or not within your control the result is something that is controlled by the laws of the action meaning by laws of the lord meaning the result is something that is controlled by the lord and not by the individual action is something that is controlled by the individual generally speaking result is that which is controlled by the lord and therefore siddhya siddhyo samoh bhutva we maintain a sameness of the mind with reference to success and failure how can you maintain how can you look upon success and failure in the same way is it possible that i can i can take success and failure exactly in the same way is not possible success will make me happy failure will definitely make me sad then lord krishna says remain free from these reactions of elation and sadness regardless of what the result is how can i do that that can only be done if i do not brand the result as success and failure understand if the result is branded as success definitely my mind will react to it with elation if the result is branded as failure definitely my mind will react to it with sadness or with frustration or disappointment but if i do not brand the result as either success or failure then there will be no reaction so understand that the reaction comes from the mind when i brand a given thing as success or failure so what lord krishna also means to say that in fact there is no such thing as success or failure in life action never fails action always succeeds you might say because action invariably produces a result that is in keeping with the action you may not like it you may not have expected it all right but you can be quite sure the result result is always in accordance in keeping with the action the result never fails our expectation can fail if i expected a given thing to happen it did not happen my expectation can fail but action never fails action always produces an appropriate result and therefore this is a fact of life and this is how we should learn we should appreciate to accept the actions in this results in this manner that whatever result comes is a proper result it must be the right result it is not to be branded either a success or failure these are the complexes that are created in our own mind by our own ego and also by the society they have set certain standards for success and failure and therefore we judge ourselves by the standards set by the society or our ego sets its own standards and keeps on judging itself either as successful or failure so unfortunately this branding or judgment constantly goes on in our own mind about our own self if i merely stop by judging the result as success and failure okay perhaps that's not a big thing but moment the result is judged as success the next thing is i judge myself as successful and moment a result is judged as failure next thing that happens is what i judge myself as a failure so immediately first that thing the first that happens is i brand the result 
as success and failure and immediately I brand myself as successful or failure. And both are problems. If I brand myself successful, that increases my pride. If I brand myself a failure, that increases, that brings about in general what we call a self-rejection or a self-condemnation. If these were 50-50, there is no problem. If I can be sure that half the times I will succeed and half the times I will fail, then perhaps I will neutralize. But it doesn't happen that way. There are more failures in life than there are successes. Meaning that our expectations fail more often than they succeed. For the very simple reason that our expectations always grow. I remember as even school children, you know, we used to, in India, you score marks in the examination. Therefore, you are judged by the percentage point that you scored. 67%, 71%, This is how the result comes. And we compare. And accordingly, the rank is given. So, last year in the 8th grade, I secured 67%. So, what will I expect now in the 9th grade? Automatically, I want to secure more than that. So perhaps this year my target is 71%. In the 10th grade, it will be 76%. 11th grade, 81%. In 12th grade, 86%. Who knows? And this is how when we are find ourselves successful, then our own expectations from our own self also increase. And therefore my own mind will create a situation one day when I cannot fulfill my own expectations from myself. And this is how judging the result or branding the result as success and failure generally results more in frustrations and failures and self-condemnation, self-non-acceptance. These are the various complexes that everyone has. Lord Krishna says, may you not judge or brand. There is no success, there is no failure. All there is, is a result. Siddhya Siddhyoho Samohutva reach maintaining the sameness of the mind both in success and failure. Then you perform the action. So even while you perform, says here, they see the grammar. Siddhya Siddhyoho Samohutva. So who means to be? Tva Pratyay is added, meaning having become. It is called gerund, you see. Having become equal or having be, having become equal to both success and failure, then you perform the action. Meaning, while performing action itself, may, may you be ready for accepting whatever result the action brings. That's all. And therefore, you should be equally ready for failure. Without judging the result as failure, or without branding yourself as a failure, you must be always ready for whatever kind of result the action brings. In which case, you are free. If you are not bothered by the result, meaning that if you are not hung up on what the result should be, then alone you can pay attention to the action. I mean, I think a simple action of cooking, for example. When a person is too conscious, what will happen? How will it turn out? People will they like it or not, you know. And when they are cooking for Swamiji, they become ten times more conscious. And then, more conscious you become, more likely you are of committing mistake. And because he is so preoccupied with what the result will be, 
That is, attention is not in the action. And quite possibly, he may add salt twice, you know. He added salt, stirred it, after five minutes, then he adds again. Because he forgot, because his attention is not in action. His attention is in the result. So we know ourselves, when our mind is preoccupied with something, how the quality of our action always suffers. So Lord Krishna says, let your mind not be preoccupied with the result. Meaning, let you not have any emotional commitment toward the result. In the sense that, if a result is such and such, then alone I am happy. If the result is not such and such, then I will be miserable. Well, that is called an emotional investment. May you not have any emotional investment as far as the result is concerned. May all your emotional investment be uh, pertaining to the action. And what is that emotional investment? Is that this action is performed as an offering to the Lord. And then all my attention is in the action. May you perform the action for the sake of action, for the love of action. And accept with love again or accept without any reaction the result that the action brings you. Be sure that the result is appropriate to the action. Samatvam Yoga Uchade. Later in 13th chapter also it will be said. Nityancha Samachittatvam Ishta Anishta Upapattishu. Ishta Anishta Upapattishu. One of the values. One of the 20 values in the 13th chapter. Nityancha Samachittatvam. Always maintaining the sameness of the mind. Ishta Anishta Upapattishu. Whether the situation is Ishta meaning agreeable, anista meaning disagreeable, pleasant or unpleasant. In all the situations, may you maintain the sameness of the mind. What it means is that, may you not brand the situation as either pleasant or unpleasant. Then how do you brand it? May you accept every situation as best, as gift of God. That's why it was said, Mahapaleshu Kadachana, that you do not determine the result of an action. Lord says, I am the one who determines the result. And therefore, every result, action, every result of an action is, I mean, result of any action is always given by me. So whenever a situation comes to you, know that it is something that is given by me. It is something that is created by me. Perhaps in response to some desire that you entertained in the past, in response to some action that you performed in the past. But then, the situation comes to you, the result comes to you from me. And therefore, whatever comes from God, always comes with love. That's what they say. God loves you, you know. The Christians believe that God loves you. And they, they say that He's always, uh, He's always there for you to redeem you. So how does God express His love? Expresses His love by giving you the appropriate result of an action. And therefore, whatever result comes, or whatever situation comes to you, we accept it as, as prasada. Prasada means as a grace of God. So whatever comes from God is called prasada, is called His grace. Sometimes He may give you only this ash, you know, vibhuti it is called. That is also prasada. Sometimes he will give you just a drop of water. This is a prasada. He may give you some raisins. Prasada. Sugar crystal. Prasada. Sweet balls. Prasada. 
Sometimes you get a whole lunch or dinner, you know, prasada. So what the prasada will be, will be determined not by you but by the priest. He determines what prasada you get. Meaning, it is Lord who determines. And the attitude of a devotee is, whatever prasada is offered, he accepts it with grace or with accepts it with a, you know, with a sense of being blessed. I know it is all too much to expect from ourselves, but this is what ultimately Lord Krishna says, that we grow to, that we accept as a blessing any situation or any result that comes to us. And what is the result? The result of an action comes in the form of a situation. Moment to moment, we are confronted with situations. And we must know that all of these situations are the result of one of the other actions performed in the past. And therefore, may you greet anything that comes to you as, as a blessing. They always give the illustration, you know, of a, a typical wedding reception in India. <coughs> Swami is fond of giving this illustration. That this is what they do in India after the the bride and the groom are married, then they organize what they call a reception. So there are a number of people in the, in the wedding, they invite a limited number of people. But in the reception they can invite everybody, all their friends and acquaintances, all of them are invited to attend the reception. So all these people come, many of them come with gifts or good wishes. They come and meet the couple, congratulate them, and perhaps have some snack or, or even dinner and then return. Hundreds of people come for receptions, depending upon your friend circle and your contacts. Now, there is a big hall, there is a stage, on a beautiful chair, the bride and the groom on the couch perhaps, both of them are seated there, very well dressed, you know. And people one by one they come, then they climb the stage and they congratulate them, say a couple of words and then return. And they give the gift. Now, at the entrance of this hallway, hall, you, there is always someone appointed to receive everyone. This will be one of the best friends or somebody, you know, of the, of the bride or the groom. They'll be there to receive all the guests who come in. And a typical way of receiving them is that they have in their hand uh, some kind of a sprinkler which has in it rose water or this fragrant water, rose water, which is uh, fragrant water. So as someone comes, you know, a guest comes, this person receives him with a smile and sprinkles a little rose water. This is how you receive them. He goes in there and then meets the, the bride and groom and whatever. So when you are appointed as the person to receive the guest, what is expected out of you is that you receive them all with a smile and you treat them all with respect and honor. That they are honored guests. That's how you receive all of them. Suppose I am standing there and then people are coming one by one. Now I may know many people, I may not know some people also. But they may be, I may be it's okay. But whether I know them or I do not know them, oh, each one of them I receive with a smile. I sprinkle that rose water. And I may exchange a little pleasantry. How are you? You know, that's all. Or welcome. And that's it. Because so many people are coming that you don't have time to chat with anybody. Just because you're a friend of yours, hey, how are you doing? What did you do yesterday? No time because other 15 people are coming. 
So whether the person is a good friend of yours or whether the person is a stranger or just an acquaintance, you receive them all equally. You welcome them, sprinkle the water and let them go. Smile at them, give them a smile. Suppose you find someone who you know very well, who you know that he hates you and you hate him. Suppose such a person comes, he may happen to be a friend of this bride or the groom and such a guest comes whom you hate. And I'm sure there are people whom we hate also. And suppose that fellow comes along, what will you do? You have that sprinkle in your hand, when that fellow comes, will you turn away like that, you know, and let him go? You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to receive them with a smile. And therefore, even if the fellow is your enemy, or even if there's a person whom you hate, then also, since you are appointed as a person who receives them, as a receptionist, therefore your duty is to receive them with a smile and treat them with that respect. Even if there is a person who hates you or whom you hate. At that time, you keep aside your personal resentment and your personal feelings and with a smile you receive them. This is called Ishtam Nityam Samachitvatvam Ishta Nishtobha Pattishu. You are standing there at the door. Ishta and Anishta, people whom you like, and people whom you dislike, both of them come along. Samachitratvam, may you maintain a sameness of the mind towards both of them. May you maintain, in fact, a pleasant mind, a pleasant attitude towards both of them, whether you like them or dislike them. And similarly also, situations keep on coming to us. Sometimes some of them pleasant, some of them unpleasant. But we receive them all, receive them all with the same cheer or with the same sense of gratitude or grace that they are all sent to us and they are all revered guests. That's how we receive them. This is called Siddhya Siddhyo Samabhutva, maintaining the sameness of the mind in, in desirable and undesirable situations or in success and failure. Because all the situations are sent to us by God. Because He is the one who determines what the result will be. And so all the results are sent to us by Him when therefore we receive them as His prasada or as His grace. So Lord Krishna says, Samatvam Yoga Uchadevi. This Samatvam or the sameness of the mind is called Yoga Usually people believe that Yoga means closing your eyes and being in Samadhi. You know, that's called Yoga. But here Lord Krishna says, what is yoga in our practice? Maintaining that sameness of the mind, which is an extremely beautiful discipline. Extremely, it's a great achievement. To be able to maintain the sameness of the mind is a great achievement. It's a siddhi or an achievement that we see. It's a spiritual achievement. That's why Lord Krishna says, Svakarmana tamabhyarja siddhim vindati manavaha. When one has this attitude of samatvam, then one attains what we call Siddhi or a great accomplishment. In this case, the accomplishment is in the form of maintaining that poise of mind under different conditions. This is the first step. Then comes the step of gaining knowledge. If you don't have this mind, then we keep on listening to scriptures all right. And our mind, which is a reacting mind, keeps on reacting to what we listen. Or distorts the meaning of what we listen or interprets in its own way what we listen. The mind is not objective, is not able to receive the teaching 
the way it is meant to be imparted or meant to be received. So to have this yoga, meaning the sameness of the mind, the objectivity of the mind, becomes the first requirement for learning the teaching of the scriptures. <coughs> okay. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Bhavadarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavantav Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmiri Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyomavad Vyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shantishantishantihiri Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om